Okay, this is, will be a part two on last week on a sermon for children. And we get that because of the first word of verse one that says, that directs the children directly. And um, at this time we're going to look at verses two and three in greater detail as well. So let's read the text together and then we'll jump in. Ephesians 6 from verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your ancient words that you've given us. We ask that you would teach us now, Lord, uh, our responsibility as children, um, how to obey and how to honor our parents, but that we would also be properly motivated to obey you. I pray for the parents here, Lord, that you would strengthen them and give them wisdom in the very messy task of raising children. Thank you, Father, for your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I would never, ever forget that day. My father just bought me a brand new motorbike. I was about 16 years old and I didn't have my learners yet, so it was illegal for me to drive in the streets. But after some persuading with my dad, he agreed that I can drive up and down the street of our house. It was amazing, up and down, up and down, forever, and it felt like an eternity that I did that, for hours. And then the thought came to my little teenager mind. I wonder what will happen if I just cross the stop street, right? I mean, the streets are, the streets are empty, nobody's around. Surely that won't hurt anybody, right? So I did it. I drove across that stop street, and the feeling was amazing. I felt free. I felt alive. It was like there's no more limits, but that's exactly the problem. <laughs> that was exactly the problem. Once I crossed that little line of our stop street, that line of disobedience, both to my dad and to the government, there were no more limits for me. I remember after a rainy day, one afternoon, I went on my bike again, and this time I thought, let me drive to my school and back. But my school was 15 minutes drive away. But my school was also on a mountain in Pretoria. So it was on a mountain. So I'm making my way on the wet streets. And as I was making my way back down the mountain, it, the sun was setting and I was starting to struggle to see. And I, I remember that I never took the time to look at where my lights are for my bike. So picture this with me. I'm going downhill, picking up speed, looking down at my hands, looking for the, the lights of my bike. And when I looked up, I was practically inside a circle without even looking left to the, or left or right. And then I panicked. I, I pressed my forward and my, my front brakes. And then my worst nightmare happened to me. Almost in slow motion, feeling how my bike sl slides underneath me. And a brand new, perfect motorbike crashed because of my foolish disobedience to the law and to my father. I went, if you want to know the rest of the story, you can ask me at coffee and tea afterwards. But for the sake of time, that was just my, my point I wanted to make. Disobedience leads to pain and suffering. That's not just true for a teenager that is wise in his own eyes in Pretoria. That is true for everyone that doesn't want to obey and honor their parents. 
Because it's a law God has given us that is written in his word, but also in the universe. There's a natural law here that if we reject authority over us, we will suffer for it. Our lives will be discomfortable, uncomfortable. When we obey and honor our parents, we'll experience blessing, life, and peace. When we disobey and dishonor our parents, we will suffer for it. Now, the reason for that is because God has made his universe full of authority. Even when with sin in the world, God's structures of authority is still in the world. He doesn't remove authority. He redeems it. That's what he does. Jesus came, was born under the law to redeem those under the law, that he can make us alive in Christ and save us, and that we might become more into his image. And then he says, now go and fulfill your role in your family in that authority structure, now by the power of the Holy Spirit. So when the Spirit comes, we are filled with the Spirit. He doesn't take away authority. He helps us to use it rightly. And he helps those who are under the authority to submit with joy and respect and honor. As you've noticed, you probably noticed the, the structure of our passage. This is the second group of family relationships that is part of the Spirit-filled relationship of 5 verse 18. When 5 verse 18 says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And then he explains the different relationships that a spirit-filled life looks like. Wives, spirit-filled wives will be submitting to their husbands. Spirit-filled husbands will love their wives. Spirit-filled children will obey their parents and honor them. And spirit-filled fathers, by implication the mothers, will not provoke their children to anger. This is now the second group. And last week we looked at what the duty is. Remember last week we looked at the duty of, of, our, of children, and that is two words, obey and honor. That's what children need to do. But remember duty, um, the uh, obedience has limitations. So children that has to obey their parents, there's limitations on that. Once you leave the home or once you get married, you're no longer under the obligation to obey your parents. But the second commandment, to honor your parents is a lifelong commandment even after your parents have died. You still have to honor your parents as long as you live. But today we'll look at the motive. Why should children obey? Why should children honor their parents? What should parents have in the back of their minds to try and motivate their children to obey? What is the standard? What does God say? Now, this is, this is amazing because God doesn't just want external obedience, without your heart. God wants your obedience with your heart. We should never be content to render the kind of obedience that the Pharisees rendered to God. Remember, Jesus quoted Isaiah in Matthew 15, verse 8, when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts were far, is far from me. So parents, when your child obeys you, you don't want them to obey externally alone. You want the miracle to happen that their hearts are in their obedience. So it shouldn't be like the boy when the parent says to the boy, sit down, and the, the boy sits and he says, I'm sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. <laughs> okay? That's not the kind of obedience that honors God, that glorifies God, both external and internal. But thankfully, God gives us the motivation. God gives us the reasons. And our text gives three reasons, three reasons why you should obey and why you should honor your parents. So first, 
first reason is this. We obey our parents for the Lord's sake. We honor our parents for the Lord's sake. Look at verse 1. It says, children, obey your parents. And then there's this little phrase, in the Lord. In the Lord. Now that phrase, in the Lord, can also be translated for the Lord. Obey your parents for the Lord, for the Lord's sake. We need to remember who gave us our parents. The Lord did. We did not choose our parents. God did. We did not choose our family. God did. We, he placed our parents as authorities over us in our lives. Now that's true for all of life and all of God's commandments, right? We, we obey ultimately with the deeper motive that we do it as for the Lord, for the Lord's sake. That's not just limited to parent, a uh, child's relationship to a parent, but in everything, right? Ultimately, why do wives submit to their husbands? For the Lord's sake, out of reverence for Christ. Ultimately, why do husbands tenderly sacrifice themselves and love their wives? For the Lord's sake. We fear God. Ultimately, why do we submit even to an Im very, very, very imperfect government? Okay? Not for the government's sake, but for the Lord's sake. You see, we can, you can take that principle and we can brush it across every commandment. So we are deeply convicted that all authority comes from God. And therefore, this is important, God will judge those authorities for how they use their authorities and God will judge you how you respond to those authorities. Now that might be the most important thing you have to hear tonight. And I'm going to repeat it. So listen carefully. God will not judge you for how the authorities use their authority against you. That's God. God will judge those authorities. God is only going to judge you for how you responded to those authorities. And that can free you and make your life a little bit harder as well, right? It can free you from trying to, to just force people to act in the way that you think is fair and just. And it makes it harder because now even with unjust rulers, unjust authority against you, you can still choose to honor them despite them. And really, that is the deepest motivation of all of our obedience. We look above all of the authorities. We look above every command. We see the Lord. That's our deepest. Our deepest motivation is to please Him. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9. Whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. You have only one person to please. The Lord. That's the only person you have to please. How freeing is that if you really live for the audience of one? Because the moment you want to please others as the ultimate goal of your life, the moment you please one, you displease another. It's impossible. It's an impossible life to try to always keep everybody happy, always try to make sure people are not on your case. And people are... But if we fear God, if we, if we desire above all else to make Him happy and to please Him, that frees you up. That frees you. You are free to simply obey and to leave the consequences to God. God, I'm going to do my part and I'm going to trust you with your part. The parallel passage of this text is also worth quoting. Listen to Colossians 3 verse 20. I love this version of it. It says, children, obey your parents in everything. Why? 
for this pleases the Lord. This, the same thing. Children obey for the Lord's sake. Children obey. Why? For this pleases the Lord. That's living for the audience of one. Parents, this should be your goal in your discipline. Ultimately, to help your child obey because it makes God happy. That is the goal, and that's why we need God's grace. Our children can't do it. They have a heart of stones. They are dead in their sins. They need regeneration. They need to be born again. But that's still the goal. That's still the standard that we are pushing them towards, that they fall on the Lord Jesus in in mercy and grace. We need to teach that to our children. They should obey us for the simple reason that it makes God smile. That's why they should obey us. That is a great reward. And they should see a glimpse of that reward in on our faces. Remember, so parents are like a, a symbol or like a representative of God himself. How will children know that God is pleased with them when they obey? When you are pleased with them when they obey. So be sure to baptize them. Okay, and we saw that yesterday. It means engulf. <laughs> okay. Baptize them with, well done, I am so proud of you. Well, I, I love you so, so much. Over and over and over and over and over and over again. Never get tired of doing that. When they're obeying the slightest thing, praise them highly. Praise them for that. That is a big deal. Right? So do that often. And that's because of this conviction we have as, as parents and we have as Christians The parent-child relationship in your home are the training wheels of your child's obedience to God when they leave the home. So see the child's obedience in the home as the training wheels when they leave the home. How do you want them to think about obedience? How do you want them to, what should be their standard of how should I obey God? That's what you are aiming for when you are training and disciplining them. Because again, think about it. If they cannot obey the authorities God has placed in their lives at home, why will they obey the authorities when they leave home? Or if they've only obeyed because you were present and never learned to fear God, why will they obey when nobody watches? So that's the thing. We want to teach them to obey in the home that they can obey outside of the home. And that's where we come to the fear of God, the ultimate motivation for our children to obey and for us as parents to discipline and teach is the fear of God. The fear of God. But that's our problem. Listen to Romans 3.18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Parents don't fear God. They don't see disobedience as a big deal. They don't fear God. They don't think they have to discipline. Children don't fear God. They think they can ignore their parents' instructions. They don't have to obey. It's not that big of a deal. We naturally have the attitude of Pharaoh when Moses said to Pharaoh, let my people go. In Exodus 5 verse 2, he says, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? That's our natural state. We say, who is the Lord? Why should I do this? That I should obey him. Because we are blind to God's glory by nature, we don't treasure God. We don't love God. We, we want our idols. We worship idols. 
If we obey God, it must be that he must give us what we want. We don't believe that he is everywhere present. We don't think that God will really judge me for my sins. In fact, we believe we are God. We make the rules. And what must be done with people like us? Well, God tells us, right? Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. If you exalt yourself against authority or against God, God will humble you. The just thing, the right thing to do is to punish you for your proud disobedience. That's what you deserve. We, we not only deserve death, but we deserve an eternity in hell for our constant rebellion against God. And that's exactly why God's love is so amazing. Romans 5 or 6 just puts it succinctly. It says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one might would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that amazing? God didn't love us when we were lovable, when we were obedient, when we were submitting, when we got it right, right? That John 3.16, we looked at the growth group as well. God so loved that sin-cursed, dark, rebellious world that he gave his son. This, this love is beyond our imagination. It's those kind of people, those kind of children who constantly disobey, those kind of parents who have failed, who have failed miserably, it is those parents that God loves. It is those children that God loves that he wants to redeem and save. So to give a childlike illustration, if, if, if you want to enter into the mind of a child, imagine you were disobedient to your parents and your parents tell you, wait for me in the bathroom, you're going to receive a hiding. And as you are waiting, very anxiously, somebody else comes through the door and it's your brother. Okay, I know this, is a miracle. this would be a miracle if this happens in real life, but imagine that, okay? And your brother looks at you and says, you can go. It's like, wait, what, what happened? So I told mom and dad, I will take your hiding. They agreed. You're welcome to go. Now, that's not the best illustration in many ways, but that's exactly what Jesus did. We deserved God's wrath. His wrath was coming for us. And Jesus says, I'll take that. You can go. You are free. I'll take the wrath of God. I'll take that punishment. And children, our children need to know this. Our children need to know that they are under the wrath of God if they disobey. They need to know the bad news before they can cling to Christ. Therefore, even before we can ever begin obeying our parents or honoring our parents for the Lord's sake, you first need to come to the Lord. And be reconciled to him. That's the only way. There's no other way for you to ever do this. So that's the question. Have you come to Christ yet? Have you run into the open arms of Jesus? Who loves you as you are. Loves you in your sin. Loves you in your rebellion. Loves you in your failure. In your shortcomings. And says you are forgiven. Has that happened yet? That's where we need to begin. Parents, this message of grace, this message of love needs to be told to our children over and over again. That same sin, that very sin that has caused them to disobey you right now can drag them to hell forever. But Christ loves them. Christ died for them. And that's what we need to tell them after the discipline. We'll get to that a little bit later as well. 
So that's the first reason. Why should you obey? Why should you honor? Ultimately, in the Lord, for the Lord's sake. Let's look at the second reason and see if you can find it in verse 1 without looking at the screen, if you can. Okay, look at verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? For this is right. I love that, right? That's such a, such a almost not a reason, <laughs> okay? But it is a reason. That's the second reason. Why should you do this? It's right. It's just right. That's just the way it should be, okay? Sometimes no reasons are good enough. Just do it. Okay, we have this, Deborah and I have this joke sometimes like when I, she asks me to do something or I ask her to, to do something and she says, oh, I don't really want to do it. So thankfully you don't have to want to do it. You just have to do it. <laughs> okay, and then vice versa. All right? But listen, this is what this reason says. There's a type of rightness to this. There's, it's just right. That's the way God made it. This is so natural, everybody knows this. You don't even have to be a Christian to know this. People know this, right? Everybody feels bad. Everybody knows it's wrong when a child screams at their mother or their father, no, I will not do that, right? Or that child that, because the parents are not disciplining them, everybody else wants to discipline that child, right? We all know that. We all feel that when we're in situations like that. Every culture... Every civilization, every generation expects obedience from their children because it's right. It's the way it should be. And children, what this means by application for us is that this means you should not only obey and honor your parents when they are worthy of that obedience and that honor. I will obey my, I'll honor my mother if she just stops being like that. I will honor my dad if he just starts doing this. No, that's wrong. That's sinful. We obey, we honor because it's right. There it is. This is the, I would say, the closest we can get to mom and dad, why should I do that? Because I say so. <laughs> okay. This is like the biblical verse for that, right? You can quote, because it is right. You should do this. But what we need to do as parents is explain to them why. Why is it right? Why is it the right thing to do for them to do that? Why ought they to obey? Remember, children need to be taught everything. How to sleep, how to... Okay, I'm not going to finish that. I'm sure you can use your imagination there. Everything, including this. They need to be taught this. This is not common knowledge. This doesn't come naturally. And that's why one of the marks of a culture that is dying and decaying is disobedience to parents. Listen to how Paul speaks of this in 2 Timothy 3 verse 1. He says, understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. That would be a mark of a, of a dying culture. Romans 1, where Paul talks about people that are being left over to their sin, is one of them is culture that is being disobedient to their parents. God is handing over a culture to their sin when, when we see that. It's a scary thing. Now think with me, in application for us, maybe you don't have children, or, or maybe this verse doesn't really apply to us. This still applies to all of us in this way. If it is simply right, simply proper, 
to expect obedience from your child as an earthly father, how much more is it right, is it proper to render instant joyful obedience to our heavenly father who has made us, who has saved us. I love this logic in Malachi 1 verse 6. Listen to this pure logic. Malachi 1 verse 6. It says, A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. It shows both the rightness of, of a son honoring his father, but also of the absolute rightness to honor God in our obedience. So even if God were to give us no rewards, we trust him anyway and we do that. Just by virtue of who he is, he's God. Beloved, shall we not give to God what is his due? Shall we not honor the one who has given us life and breath and everything to enjoy? This is what we are praying. If you don't know what we mean when we pray, Father, let your will be done. As, on, uh, as in heaven, so on earth. What are we praying for when we pray for that? We're praying for this. Lord, as quickly, as shiftly, swiftly, as joyfully as the angels obey you in heaven when you give your will. So let me obey you like that. The instant I hear your command, the instant I, I think of your command, let me be as quick, as joyful as that. Lord, please do the miracle in my child. Let that be how he or she obeys us as parents. So parents, we need to learn to obey this force swiftly, right? When it says we should discipline and train them. We should be swift with that. We should not delay that. And that's the second reason why we should obey. Because it's right. And here's the last reason. The last reason is found in verses 2 to 3. Because of God's blessing. Because of God's blessing. Look at verses 2 to 3. It says, Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So the last reason is because of God's blessing. Paul says it's the first commandment with the promise. In fact, it's the only commandment of the ten with the promise of blessing. All of the other ten commandments have a threat attached to it think about it with me second commandment you shall um, or you shall not have no other gods before me for i am a jealous god third commandment do not take the name of the lord your god in vain for i will not hold him guiltless who takes my name in vain so these commandments and these threats is supposed to cause you to fear god but the fifth commandment we should obey god because god will reward you it's a, a, it's it's a positive one now that also contains a threat Right? It says that you may live long in the land, so that the implication is if you don't do that, you are not going to experience the blessing of that. But the focus is on the blessing. God says, do you want to be happy, children? Do you want to live a blessed life? Do you want not only to be blessed while living with your parents, but do you also want to be blessed while you're living outside, away from your parents? Then honor them. Obey them. Ted Tripp, in his excellent book, in my opinion... Every parent should read this book, Shepherding a Child's Heart. He writes about this concept in a very helpful way, very graphic way. He says, imagine a circle of blessing around your child. 
And that child is in that circle as long as they obey you. They are in the circle of God's favor, God's blessing, as long as they obey you and honor you. But the moment they disobey you, they step outside of that circle. And so that it's much more is at stake than just peace in the home, but the future of your child. The moment they dishonor you, the moment they disobey you, they invite curse. They invite a life of suffering and pain. That's why when we discipline them, we want to bring them back to that circle. Oh, whoa, whoa, come back here. I love you so much. I want you to be back under our authority because that's where God says you will be blessed and you will live a long life. So that's in parents' minds. There should be red flags, alarm bells going off when your child disobeys you. Because you love them so much, you want them back to God's blessing. Not to primarily yours, but to God's. So that's what we don't primarily discipline our children for our, for their inconvenience. You, you are so inconvenient now, I think I'll discipline you. This is the final straw, right? Now I'm going to discipline you. The smallest disobedience, we should see them leaving the circle, leaving the realm of God's favor and God's blessing. Again, parents, your children need to know this. This should be taught. Every time you discipline them, you should teach them this, these verses. Think about their lives. Are not these verses, verses Ephesians 6, Colossians 3 verse 20, are they not the most relevant verses for their little minds and their little lives? They should know this. Woe to us, shame to us as parents if we've never shared these verses with our children. We should. We should. And one of the reasons why children will have a blessed life if they remain under that circle is because, again, like we said in the beginning, as they leave the home, there's other authorities in their lives that if they rebel and resist that, that that will bring suffering on them. John MacArthur wrote, he says, It is the key principle behind all right human relationships in society. A person who grows up with a sense of respect for and obedience to his parents will have the foundation for respecting the authority of other leaders and the rights of other people in general. You see, so if you've learned this, the, the lesson to submit to your parents, you're going to submit to your teachers. You're going to submit to the police. You're going to submit to other authorities. And guess what? Generally speaking, when you do those things, you'll have a longer life. <laughs> okay? Think of the opposite. If you don't do that, right? If you, if you constantly push the boundary, if you constantly reject authority, if you break the rules, why do I have to wear a safety belt? Why do I have to follow the safety protocols? Like, generally speaking, those people don't live long, right? Maybe it's why all men, if you've seen those videos, why men don't live so long. We... Now, of course, this doesn't mean that if you have submitted to your parents and honor your parents, you will guarantee, have a long life as a guarantee. We're living in a fallen world. This is a Genesis 3 world. Miscarriages is a reality. One of my favorite theologians, Tim Challies, lost his 20-year-old son who was in seminary, living a godly life, about to get married to a godly woman so that he can become a pastor, died instantly and suddenly without explanation. No reason, no explanation. So this is not a, a promise 
or in a sense of a guarantee, but a general principle that is true in God's universe. This is a general principle that is true. As you submit and honor your parents, you'll generally live a happy long life. And this, that, that's what's behind Proverbs like these. Listen to Proverbs 10 verse 27. It says, The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. So here's the thing, parents, that might motivate you to faithfully discipline and teach your child. Either you discipline them or life will discipline them. And the latter will always be more painful than the former. Either you teach them the painful lesson that disobedience equals pain through a hiding. We'll get to that in detail with the fathers in verse 4. Or life will teach that to them. Disobedience equals suffering, and then the pain will be much more and much greater. They might have to experience the painful loss of a job. They might have to go through divorce. They might have to feel the pain of broken relationships. Right? These are just some of what things that can happen to someone that constantly rejects God's word and God's laws. Beloved, let us learn this lesson early. God's commandments are for our good. God is not stingy on his commandments. He's not taking away from us. God's commandments are not burdensome. Was that not the first lie? God is holding back. God is stealing from you. That's why he's prohibiting you these things. No, God's commandments are gracious because he is gracious. God's commandments are just because he is just. So it all comes back to trust. Do you trust God? Children, do you trust God? And do you obey with at least these three reasons in your heart? Do you honor your parents for at least these three reasons? There might be more. It's not exhaustive. But first, for the Lord's sake, he gave you your parents. Trust him with that. Secondly, because it's right. It's the way God made the world. And thirdly, because of God's blessings, that circle of obedience. And if you're anything like me, you will know the painful feeling of failure. If you're a parent, you, maybe your, your children are already outside of the home. You feel you can't do anything anymore. Maybe your children are young and you have already feel like you've made so many mistakes you can't count them. Remember this. All of your sins and your failures have been nailed to the tree. God doesn't treat you according to what your sins deserve. But now repent, trust him and obey him and honor him in this way. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word is is so good to us and so rich and that we can, as we study it, look at the, the duty you require of us lord thank you that we can also look at the motivation and the promises of your word lord i don't know the various family and life situations of the people here lord but you do and you love all of us you love us you love our broken families more than even we love our broken families oh lord i pray that you would give parents the mercy and the grace to first accept your grace to really believe that all of their failures and all of their sins have been nailed to the tree and that they can walk in obedience to you, no matter how old their children are. 
I pray for the children, Lord. Um, Lord, I pray for my little boys, and I know so many other ch- little children here in this service. Oh, Lord, that you would take out the heart of stone and replace it with the heart of flesh, that we as parents would point to Christ and point to the gospel, that we would raise the standard high enough that they actually do need grace to obey us. Father, give us wisdom. We are we're struggling as parents. You know how we are all struggling and fighting, but help us, Father, to be faithful and to cling to Christ. We thank you for this, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.